Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special topical study of the Holy Spirit, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I was out there at um, uh, Lake Pine. Lake Pine? Lake Pine is where the, uh, the water... The waters around Lake Lake Pine, and uh, and they have the um, the the um, the geese. They got a bunch of geese walking around there, and I am telling you, those geese are the most disrespectful geese I have ever seen in my life. Those geese, they think they own that walkway. It drives me crazy, and they're all over the place too. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been out there, but they take over the territory. They are all over the place and, 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 and they, 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 they get when you're, when you're walking, I'm walking mine in my own business and, and, and they get right in the middle and it's almost like they don't want me to cross cause I'm, I'm kind of scared of them, but not, you know what I mean? Cause, cause I was like, I, I'm like, y'all don't want none of this. I, you know, sometimes, yeah, so I, you know, so they get in the middle of the walkway and then I want me to cross. So I go this way and then they go this way. They smart. Them, them geese are smart. And then when they're coming along, you ever seen them coming along with the babies? Now, they're, when they have their little babies with them, the little baby geese, um, the baby geese, the baby, what the baby geese called? That, that's right, Goslin. I can't remember. I can't remember that. They told me last service, Goslin. Do y'all know I have never known that till, till like last service? Somebody said Goslin. Did y'all know that? Who, who else didn't know that? Raise your hand. Don't you? Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, am I the only dumb one in here? I'm like, uh, Goslin. Okay, so when the baby, when the baby, the Goslin, uh, they got the mother geese, got the Goslin out, and they are super aggressive then. When them babies are coming, am I right about y'all? When them babies are coming by, them mother geese is like, yeah, come near my kids. Come near my kids, see what I do to you. And they will, they, they will eat you alive. I'm telling you, I'm like, look, I don't want no trouble with you. I don't, I, all I eat is chicken. I don't even eat duck. I don't eat geese or nothing. All I eat is just chicken, just chicken. I don't want no problems with you people or goslins or whatever you are. But they are, they, 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 but they, a mother's love is strong. A mother's love is deep. A mother's love is powerful and So it is true. Did you know this of the Holy Spirit? The love that the Holy Spirit has for the world is powerful. I'm not making this up. Genesis chapter one, verse two tells us that the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The word hover means to brood. 
It means to be affected, watch this, with the feelings of tender love. According to Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, the Holy Spirit has a tender love or a brooding over the earth. The Holy Spirit has the same heart of a mother concerning the earth. The Holy Spirit has love for all of God's creation because creation and mankind came from God. I think of Jesus in Matthew chapter 23. Are you listening? I think of Jesus in Matthew chapter 23, verse 7. He had just pronounced judgment on Jerusalem and he's leaving the city and he turns around and he's standing on the mountain. He looks over the city and he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones, those who sent to her. How often I wanted to gather the children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing There's that motherly kind of love. And it's this incredible love that causes the Holy Spirit, watch this, to convict the world of sin. Conviction is from God. Condemnation is from the devil. Y'all ain't listening to me. Conviction is from God. Condemnation is from the devil. Yes. The word conviction, write it down. The word conviction means to show to be wrong. To show to be wrong. Jesus says the Holy Spirit has come to show the world that is wrong about sin. Now, we live in a culture, don't we, where people don't want to admit that they're wrong about anything. Huh? And they definitely don't want to say the S word. What's the S word? Sin. People don't want to say I'm a sinner. They don't want to use the word sin. And the Bible is full of passages that make it clear that every one of us is a sinner. And it doesn't matter what's your ethnicity. It doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have, how nice your car is or not so nice, how big your house is or not so big, how secure your retirement is or not so secure. Everyone is a sinner and in need of salvation. And listen to this. Here's the connection. If anyone is to be saved, there must first be conviction first. You will never get saved if you don't come to an understanding that you need to be saved. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. He brings us to that place of conviction. Now, bear with me for a second while I state the obvious. The Holy Spirit does the convicting, not you. I need everybody to say amen. Husbands, don't try and convict your wife. And wives, stop trying to convict your husbands. Amen. The Holy Spirit knows how to reach them better than you. Ladies, you know I love you. But y'all good at this. All right? Husbands, y'all know, right? Yeah, y'all don't want to shake your hand because your wife's sitting right there. I got you. Y'all sitting there going, I'm like, can can you at least like act like you know what I'm talking about? Like, do, do this. At least act like it. I mean, y'all, y'all look at me like, oh, I <laughs> Women are good at it. You don't try to be the Holy Spirit to your husband. You're laying subtle hints and things like that. They don't work. You know, I've seen it. I've, the, the wives are even Christians and maybe the husband's not or the wives ones go to church and maybe the husband doesn't. You know, don't don't leave subtle hints. They don't work. You know, while the husband is in the shower and you you sneak in there and write in the mirror, you know, uh, uh, get saved, sign God. 
And you get out of the shower and go, ah. Mene, mene, tecos, you You know, or leave tracks in the middle of his ham sandwich or something, or leave notes in his travel, little love notes in his travel bag, turn or burn, love you, honey. Listen, if you can't win them, here you go. If you can't win them to Christ with words, then preach a wordless sermon. That's what Peter said. Peter said, just, just without a word, you seek to win them. Don't try to play the Holy Spirit because it doesn't work. Here's one of my favorite stories. I love to tell it of Dr. Louis T. Talbert back in the late uh, 40s. When he was preaching in a church in Los Angeles, while at the same time, uh, while at that time it was a mega church in Los Angeles, uh, he gave a message concerning wives submitting to their own husbands. And Dr. Talbot was a fiery preacher, short little guy. He could preach powerfully and passionately, and he would preach his sermon and pound on the pulpit and veins bulging and his eyes popping out and preaching the importance of wives submitting to their husbands. And when he was done, he went down to the center aisle and he stood at the door, which was his custom, and greeting people. And one of the first people to come out was this very large lady with a flower dress and a hat with a hat with a flower blooming from it and a huge purse in her hand. And she got right in Dr. Talbot's face and she said, Dr. Talbot, that message today was disgusting. Wives submitting to their husbands and everything. She said, to tell you the truth, Dr. Talbot, if you were my husband, I would put poison in your tea tomorrow. Well, Dr. Talbot looked at the woman and said, ma'am, if you were my wife, I would drink it. (laughs) I would drink it. Let the Holy Spirit do the convicting. Somebody say amen. Look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. (laughs) Verse 9. Verse 9, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. Why? Look at it. Because, y'all come on, read it with me. Because they believe, don't believe in me. Notice it reads in verse 9, of sin because they don't believe in me. Notice it reads, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, singular, not sins, plural. Read your Bible. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of the sin of unbelief in Jesus. It's the sin of not believing in Jesus that man will be judged for. Man will not be judged if he smokes or chews or go with girls who do. The only sin that man will be judged for is rejecting Jesus Christ. Can two people say amen? And that's the unpardonable sin. And we're not going to talk a whole lot about that because we're going to deal with the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, the unpardonable sin, later on in our study. Point number three, not only is the world wrong about sin, but the world is wrong about righteousness. Look at verse 10. Notice the conviction of righteousness, not unrighteousness. I've always found that to be interesting. The conviction is of righteousness, not unrighteousness. Now, three times in the life of Jesus, God the Father put a stamp of approval on Jesus. The first time at his baptism, when Jesus came up out of the water, you know, the Holy Spirit was descending like a dove, and the voice of the Father said, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. The second time was on the Mount of Transfiguration as Jesus was transformed and his glory shone through the veil of his flesh. And God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And the third time, saints, listen, was a silent stamp of approval. The ascension of Jesus 
was a stamp of approval. When Jesus ascended, don't y'all remember in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus ascended up and the, and the angel said to the disciples, why are you standing here looking at Jesus as he's going up? The same Jesus that went up will be the same Jesus that comes down. Don't you remember? That was that ascension was a stamp of approval that everything Jesus did, God approved of it. Jesus is God's standard of righteousness, which tells us no one is going to heaven on his or his or her own righteousness. People will seek to develop their own sacrificial system to please God. I'm going to say that again. People will seek to develop their own sacrificial system to God. Here's what I will do to make God happy with me. Here's what I want to do to please God. That's your own sacrificial system. Jesus was the most righteous man to have ever lived and was the only one good enough to get into heaven. All of our righteousnesses, listen, all of our righteousnesses are like Filthy rags in the sight of God. Isaiah 64, 6, memory verse. We are all like an unclean thing. All of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We're all fade. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities or our sin like wind have taken us away. Paul said it like this in Philippians 3, 8 and 9. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, that I might gain and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith. Somebody read this with me. The righteousness which is from God by faith. Listen, no one is more acceptable before the throne of God than another. No one is more godly than another before the throne of God. Stealing a candy bar in the economy of God is equal to murder. Now, we can't get our heads around that, can we? Because we like to scale out sin. Like we'll say, well, you know, a murderer is worse than uh, someone who stole a candy bar. Uh, a pedophile is worse than uh, someone who gossips. Listen. Someone, because we, we scale it all out. So gossip is like way down here and pedophilia murder is like way up here. Listen, God does, sees it all the same. God says gossip is way up here. I know I ain't talking to nobody here, but I'm just saying God says gossip is way up here. It's all way up here. Because sin is sin to God, and it's all deserving of the wrath of God. And when you start scaling out sin, that's when self-righteousness comes in. You can always find somebody badder than you. Is that a word? Badder. Worse than you. You can't earn God's favor. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, lest anyone should boast. Romans 3, 10, there is none righteous, not even one. And listen, and I'm going to move on. Legalism at its core is the idea of earning God's favor. The idea that you can be righteous enough. Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of God. Listen, when Jesus said that, that's like saying to a legalist, unless your good deeds exceed that of Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa, you shall not enter the kingdom of God. 
or unless you are more righteous than Billy Graham, you shall not enter the kingdom of God. Or unless you are more holy than the Holy Father, the Pope, you shall not enter the kingdom of God. Listen, the point that Jesus is making is no one can exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. And even if they tried, they'd fail. Righteousness comes through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And religious folks don't understand this. Religious folks can't get their mind around grace. I know preachers that won't preach about grace because they say if you teach people about grace, then you're giving them a license to go sin. The Bible is clear. By grace, you have been saved through faith. By grace, you have been saved through faith. It's the grace of God that saved us, and we believed that, and that's why we're saved. You have to teach grace, and they say that if you teach grace and you're giving people a license to sin, and you're telling them to go out and sin it up, and they call it greasy grace. Greasy grace. Talk, talk to a preacher that, you know, been preaching for so many years or whatever, and say, hey, you know what greasy grace is? And he'll probably tell you, Yeah. It means, you know, you just go, you know, it's teaching people to go out and do whatever they want to do. And all they got to do is ask God to forgive them and God will forgive them. And then they go back out and do whatever they want to do and come back and ask God to forgive them. That's not the point. The point is, if you teach people, I hope you're listening. If you teach people what grace is and, and what Jesus had to go through in order to provide you with that grace, it won't cause you to go out and sin it up. It'll cause you to, to be more holy. It'll cause you to want to be closer to God. It'll cause you to want to serve God more. It won't cause you to sin. It'll actually cause you not to sin. When you teach grace the way it's taught in the scriptures, you see, there are unsaved legalists and there are saved legalists. Unsaved legalists are trying to obtain God's favor through works. And a saved legalist is trying to maintain God's favor through works. An unsaved legalist works to get right with God. A saved legalist works to stay right with God. Listen, you can't be righteous enough. Somebody say amen. You can't be good enough. You can't help people enough. True righteousness, or you might want to think of it like this, rightness. True rightness comes by knowing Christ. Hell is filled with good people, with good intentions. Am I right about it? Jesus says when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to make all this perfectly clear and that righteousness comes through him and him alone. He'll make it crystal clear. Our final point for today, the Holy Spirit convicts of judgment. Look at verse 11, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, the rule of this world is a reference to Satan. He goes by many names in the Bible. The devil, Satan, Beelzebub, son of the morning, Lucifer, which means morning star or day star, the adversary, the prince of the power of the air, the father of lies, roaring lion, accuser, slanderer. As a serpent, he deceives. As a lion, he devours. Satan is a superhuman enemy of God and the people of God and all that is good. There are liberal theologians who will tell you that there's no intelligent uh, evil being called the devil. 
They tell you the idea of the devil is just a personification of evil impulses that are within us all. Listen, they might not believe in the devil, but the Bible has much to say about the devil. Uh, Here's your homework. Job chapter one. Job chapter one. Satan comes before the presence of God. Paul thought there was a devil. Peter thought there was a devil. Jesus thought there was a real devil. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, I saw him. Luke chapter 10, verse 18. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Listen, every book in the New Testament makes reference to Satan. And you have to annihilate the Bible to come up with there's no devil. Satan is an enemy of God and the people of God. And did you notice this? He is already judged. When? When Jesus died on the cross. Satan probably was having a party when Jesus died because it smelled like defeat. But when Jesus rose again, like he said, he conquered Satan's greatest power. What was Satan's greatest power? Huh? Death. When Jesus rose, he got the victory over sin, sickness, the devil and disease and death. And Satan was judged. Notice the ruler of this world is judged. Real simple. When the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to bring the world to the courtroom and he'll bring a verdict and everyone will submit to it. And that's why it's important that you share the gospel with your family and your friends, because you're only part of the team. God is using you. You bring Christ to men. The Holy Spirit brings men to Christ. Did y'all get that? You bring Christ to men. Don't you understand that people are watching your life as an example? And what do they see? Somebody once said, Mom, Cindy, somebody once said, people may read your, never read the Bible, but they'll read your life from cover to cover. What do they see? Do they see Christ? You bring Christ to men by your example. And the Holy Spirit brings men to Christ. I've had people say to me, well, Pastor Rodney, you know, surely if you, you know, if I can get him to church, you know, if I can just get him to church and, you know, let them hear you preach. Surely, Pastor Rodney, they'll, they'll get saved. You can save them. You can get them saved. I'm like, no, 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 no. Hold on, partner. <laughs> Pastor Rodney don't get nobody saved. I don't get nobody saved. It's not my responsibility to get anybody saved. My responsibility is to share the word. My responsibility is to be faithful to teach. My responsibility is to tell you what this book says. The Holy Spirit's responsibility is to bring men to Christ. And that is why, listen, I do not have long altar calls. You ever been to those altar calls? They're just like super, super long. They're like, is there another? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. Is there another? Is there another? Is there another? 20 minutes later. Is there another? Would there be one? Well, there ain't one. If there ain't one, you ought to give up, bro. <laughs> Is there another? Is there another? I'm not kidding you. One time, it was so long, like 30 minutes. I'm not kidding you. He got, Is there another? Is there another? I, I, I just went, you know, hey, yeah. And, and I, was a, I was a pastor. I was a, I'm like, I'll get saved. I just want a chicken sandwich, man. Can't I just have a chicken sandwich? I just want to get chicken sandwiches. And another yes right here, me, me. I'll get saved again. 
But I don't do long altar calls because I don't feel it's my responsibility to bring men to Christ. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. The pastor should teach the word. If the Holy Spirit touches your heart and you know you need to be saved, you know what's going on in you. I don't. I'm not God. My job is to preach the word and allow that word to go forward. The Holy Spirit takes the seed of the word of God, plants it in your heart right where it needs to be. And if you're not a Christian and the call of God goes out and you don't respond, that's between you and God. That doesn't take all day. You know what? I've done altar calls where before I finished speaking, people popped up out of their seat and was coming down the aisle or people raised their hand before I before I finished asking because the Holy Spirit is doing the work in the hearts of the people. Y'all get what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit does that. I don't need to worry myself with that. We sow the seed. Someone else waters and God gives the increase. We sow the seed. Someone else waters. The Holy Spirit waters. With the word of God. The water of the word of God. And God gives the increase. And God gets the glory. That's how it works. You have been listening to Salt and Light. A radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch. And Calvary Chapel Cary. Located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.